Welcome to Garden DC, the podcast about everything gardening in the Washington DC and Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Kathy Gents. I'm the editor of Washington Gardener Magazine, and we're aimed at gardening enthusiasts, people who grow everything from edibles to ornamentals, natives to exotics. If it grows in our area, that's what we talk about. Welcome to episode 116 of the Garden DC podcast. In this episode, we talk with returning guest Kim Roman of Square Foot Gardening for You about miniature vegetables and other small space edible plants. The plant profile is on little blue stem grass and we share what's going on in the garden as well as some upcoming local gardening events. This episode, we're joined by returning guest, Kim Roman, owner of Square Foot Gardening for You. She was on the podcast way back on episode three in March 2020, talking about cool season edible gardening. And now we're going to talk all about miniature edibles and vegetables. Welcome, Kim. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Great to have you back. And in this a little bit more than two years interim since we last had you on the podcast. Anything exciting or new that we should know about in your gardening life? Well, yeah, I just had to start a garden over because we moved from our home of uh, 28 years. And I got to tell you, starting a new garden at 63 is not fun. No, but it's reinvention and that's always fun. And finding a new space, a new place to grow. And I know a little bit about your new space in Northern Maryland. We're going to call it close to the Delaware border and Pennsylvania border, correct? Correct. It's it's a town called Northeast, two words, and that's exactly where we are on the map, Northeast Maryland. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably the most Northeast literally you can get. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 20 minutes, yeah, 20 minutes from uh, Delaware border and 20 minutes from Pennsylvania border. Mm. And so this new garden, you have a little bit of deer pressure. Are you putting up anything around it to protect those valuable edibles? I think I'm going to take and make some PVC arches and put deer netting over that initially. That'll be a good start. And then you guess you'll see how the season progresses. Correct. So... Our topic for today is about miniature or small vegetables, and that could be a person living in an apartment with just a balcony space to grow in. It could be somebody who just has a one window shell, you know, sill Mm -hmm. that might be in a dorm room. Who else do you think would benefit from small size vegetables? Well, my last book is on small space indoor vegetable gardening. So anybody that wants to grow indoors, whether it be small or large, I actually did this for a couple of reasons. And one of them was volunteering for a veteran agency. We were going to make tiny gardens that could roll around at the uh, Veterans Assisted Living down in Charlotte, um, Charlotte Hall, Maryland. Interesting. So that could be for somebody in long-term care, Mm -hmm. as well as somebody who's just lacks space. But also, I think one great aspect of miniature or small size vegetables is they're just so cute, right? They are so cute. And usually they grow more quickly than a a larger variety. True. And I would say you get to eat them quicker and they're sometimes more prolific. And, you know, I would say my experience with cucamelons and the smaller tomatoes, the cherry sized tomatoes, you get a lot more on one plant than a few larger fruits that are forming. Absolutely. And that's that's makes it a little bit more. I see how to say it. It makes for less wa- less waste than maybe a larger vegetable or fruit. Hmm. And I think one other benefit that we have to talk about besides their cuteness is the appeal maybe to people who don't always love their vegetables. Right, Kim? I think you might have a couple youngsters in your household. I am here in a multi-generational house with my son, daughter-in-law, and three grandchildren. So yes, there's nothing cuter than a cute little kid carrying a cute little vegetable. (laughs) Also, and they could, 
you know, enjoy them more if you give them cute little names like mouse melon for the cucamelon and, you know, the miniature tomatoes. So they would be more apt to eat them, I would think, and not just play with them. I think so too. And they could claim them as their own, or or maybe we could even have a themed doll garden because we all have, you know, know people who are miniature collectors or dollhouse collectors. There might even be something in there for an American girl aficionado to grow her own miniature vegetable garden. You know, you gave me a great idea because the cucamelon would be absolutely adorable to feed the guinea pigs. We've got four here that are ours and four that we're fostering. And I think uh, my daughter-in-law takes photos to, to help get the little ones adopted. And I think that would be a cute cute photo. Absolutely. And I could see that going viral on social media because what could be cuter than a little guinea pig eating a tiny, what looks like watermelon, but it's actually a gherkin. We should probably define the cucamelon a little bit for our listeners who aren't familiar with them. So sometimes they go by the name Mexican gherkin. Sometimes people will just say sour gherkin or tiny gherkin or a cucamelon is the the word that's going around, but that doesn't really describe it at all because it's not a cucumber or a melon, really. No, not at all. And it doesn't taste like a watermelon to me. No, and I was going to say that it has almost an already pickled flavor, which Mm -hmm. I love pickles. So straight off the vine, it's got almost that little zing of sourness right there. So you don't even have to do anything to it. You could just, you know, pop them in a salad, put them in a bowl for appetizers. How do you use them, Kim? I I think I would use it just basically the same way that you do or to throw them in a jar and uh, ferment them. Absolutely. But I think fresh, you know, straight off the vine is the best way. Yeah. And we had a cover story in Washington Gardener, if people want to learn more about cucamelons, that was August 2021 issue, so just a year ago. And the Latin name, should people want to look that up, it's a little bit of a mouthful. It's Melothria scabra. So Melothria scabra, and we'll have that in the show notes and spell that out for you. And some people also call it mouse melon, because just like you said with that guinea pig, if you put it on a little platter in front of them, it would look like a large watermelon <laughs> sitting in front of them. So how about next on our small veggie list? Sometimes you'll see them listed in catalogs as container garden plants. Sometimes I'll see patio collection. What other words do you see them marketed under that people could look for these smaller miniature vegetables? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking initially dwarf, mini, micro, Mm -hmm. things like that, but that might be the size of the actual fruits, but maybe not the size of the plant. So you're always going to have to open it up and research it and see how big the actual plant gets if, if that matters to you. That's very true because I think the patio container collections that I see marketed under those type of names, they're meaning that the plant is small. So you might get a full-size little cucumber or pumpkin that's approximately full-size, but on a plant that doesn't spread and take over the world versus the fruit or vegetable itself being, you know, micro. Exactly. I just saw a, a photo of a spoon, a tablespoon, and it was filled with these little teeny tiny tomatoes. But the plant itself is a long vine and you have to be prepared for that. Hmm. That's certainly the case with the current tomatoes, which are some of my favorites to grow. So they're, you know, about the size of a small champagne grape. They're just tiny little and they're almost like really related to the wild tomatoes. So the vines go crazy. The vines can go eight, 10 feet if you let them. So you have a large plant, but you have hundreds of these tiny little tomatoes that you could just pop in your mouth like candy. Absolutely. So be careful when you're looking at, you know, words, mini, micro, Mm -hmm. small could, again, it could be the fruits and not the plant. Exactly. So for a small space gardener, and you have experience with the square foot gardening system, what are a few that you would recommend for a summer vegetable garden? 
for a summer vegetable garden, I love growing small tomatoes. And there are, um, we're both friends with Craig Lahoulier of Epic Tomatoes. That's the book Mm -hmm. that he wrote. And he has been breeding, has a great breeding project where he is making smaller and smaller plants that have a lot of times the full size fruits on them. And the below that or part of that is the micro tomatoes, which are small plants, uh, smaller small plants, uh, maybe some as small as four inches tall for a tomato plant. Wow, four inches tall. I have gotten a few of those micro tomato plants that are meant to be on your windowsill, not outside plants, to trial. Have you gotten those same ones? I I did not, but you're going to have to hook me up maybe. Oh, yeah. But um, I, I grew Top Hat, I think mm-hmm. that it's top hat and or orange hat sorry orange hat was what i grew in my book and it was it was lovely Hmm. yeah and i was going to say that craig was on the podcast as well in a previous episode talking about his breeding project so we'll put a link to that episode for those interested in hearing more about craig's incredible tomato breeding and what else would you recommend for a small space vegetable gardener for the summertime I like small eggplants. There's a variety that is sold by Renee's Garden Seeds that's called Little Prince. And it's a lot smaller than a normal eggplant plant. And the the um, fruits are also small on that. Also, the same thing with uh, a variety of pepper called Pizza My Heart. And they're great um, thick-walled peppers that are only about three, three and a half inches for the, um, for the pepper and the plants probably 21 or, you know, about two feet or less. Hmm. And I love, I love those two varieties. And the pizza, my heart pepper, is that a sweet pepper? It is. It's wonderful for snacking or putting on pizza. Awesome. And those are Renee's garden and they're sold by seed. So you would be starting those indoors in yourself or direct sowing them if you were lucky enough to be able to do that. But I think with most eggplant peppers, we're going to start those probably indoors in February to get them ready for the season. Absolutely. You're correct. And with eggplants, the little prince eggplant, how many fruits do you get per plant? Because I've grown some of those miniature eggplants before, and I think maybe gotten three, and not enough to like even make a serving (laughs) pretty much for myself making eggplant parmesan. I mean, they are also heavy feeders, so you are going to have to uh, constantly feed them in order to get that, making sure that the that the fertilizer is not too high in nitrogen, which is only going to give you some leaf growth. And that's true for a lot of the the tomato pepper family as well, that they're heavy feeders. So when they're trapped in those little tiny containers, you're going to have to give them extra fertilizer and make sure that they're watered well. Absolutely consistent watering. And, you know, even though it's small to make sure that the container is large enough for the root system. And what size, so we're talking a 20 inch pepper plant or, you know, something a little bit between a foot and a half and two feet pepper plant. What type of container would you recommend for that? I think, I think it would be about 12 to 15 inches in diameter and just as tall. And how about mixing them together? So say if I had the patio sized eggplant in the middle and then put some other plants around the edges, would you recommend putting other plants like peppers or tomatoes or going with herbs or flowers or something else entirely in the container? I would go with herbs because it would a lot of them might detract some some insect pests. And also I, I'm glad you you brought up herbs because while many of them are not specifically miniature sized, because you're you're growing herbs, you can cut those and prune them and keep them very small and you know well mannered in your container. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's lots of herbs that have small size leaves, like tiny leaves, like yep. the little thymes. Even, there's even some micro basil leaves. So, and you can go up to the big salad 
sized basil leaves, which are really large leaves. So you either get uh, use a few of those or lots of the, the tiny leaved herbs, but that gives you like a nice selection that you can grow together. Absolutely. And it's just, it's lovely to have different leaf shape and leaf color in your containers, just like a, a flower arrangement. Yeah. And there's always those classic Italian pizza containers that they'll do for school gardens where you have the the tomato with the basil right there and you know thinking of some of your favorite dishes that you can grow together and there's a few herbs I would say don't mix well with others right maybe we should go over yeah don't play nice they will take over the whole container and then some like anything in the mint family even though basil is related to mint it's a better behaved mint but yeah I wouldn't mix mint with anything else and I don't think I do too many perennial herbs I I just feel that anything that's woody like Mm -hmm. your like your rosemary I think would would tend to overtake uh, the container. Yeah, I think any of those Mediterranean herbs that, you know, thyme, rosemary, even though there's elfin and tiny versions of those, those might need to have their own separate Mediterranean herb container that you could winter over and bring back every year. Absolutely. So we're mixing some herbs in with our veggies. What about some flowers in there to attract pollinators? Well, Kathy, you know I know nothing about flowers, so you're going to have to take over that <laughs> section. But yes, you know, you can, you can find many and container varieties of a lot of flowers. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say the classic is your marigolds to go along with your tomatoes because they attract beneficials and repel some of the uh, bad bugs that might want to chew on your tomato leaves or plants. Um, so there's there are miniature little marigolds there's also big marigolds and i would say make sure you've got the seeds for the right kind because i've grown uh, marigolds these past few years that are shrub sized and (laughs) those are the big duck series of marigolds and you definitely wouldn't want those mixing in a container with something else because they would again like the mint take over everything and it's my understanding that there are several varieties of marigold there that are edible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point is to mix in some edible flowers. So most of the marigolds you can eat, they're just maybe a little bit more bitter or sour than some of the others. And you want to eat the outer petal, the colorful part, not the white pith. So like when you're pulling it out of the, the head of the flower, you'll just cut that part off. And that's true for a lot of the edible flowers as you're eating the the colorful part, not the inner part. The another edible flower I think you can mix in really well with those containers is nasturtium. And that can be added to your salad. That acts as a herb. It's a beautiful flower in itself. And that one's almost carefree, although I do know a lot of people have trouble starting it from seed. I don't know. Are are they one of them that uh, benefits from stratification? Yeah, I think so. They're kind of like a hard pebble looking seed, a very large seed. And I think my trick has been soaking it for a few hours before planting it. That helps get it started. But also the other trick is to be mean to it. Like when I say mean. Scarification. Scarification, but also don't give it fertilizer. Don't give it really good soil. Like give it your worst soil. And it doesn't want anything extra because then it's like, oh, you like me too much. I don't like you. Uh, So (laughs) that's why I think people are going wrong with it because it's, it's a plant that is used to growing on very meager circumstances. So that's what it wants. And I absolutely love that spicy, peppery flavor of nasturtium. It adds a nice kick. And especially because it is great in the heat of the summer Mm -hmm. where arugula has kind of gone down right at that point. Your arugula is usually a cool season plant. And if you want a similar taste and texture to arugula, then I would say grow some nasturtium. Now that is a perfect, that's a perfect description of it gives you just that that little kick but not like too much heat on there so let's talk about some maybe some vining plants and how we can grow those in small spaces and I think one of them that you had listed as a favorite is little crunch snap peas and I'm not familiar with that variety are they tiny little snap peas 
they are they can be they're they are dwarf size plants and they they're pretty prolific and yeah i really enjoy those so i wouldn't really call those a vining so much they're more of a believe it or not a bush mm-hmm. type thing well that's a good point kim because there are determinant and indeterminate varieties mm-hmm. meaning bush or vining in a few different vegetable categories and that can confuse people so when you hear about the indeterminate tomatoes, you're like, what? Why would it be indeterminate? <laughs> like yeah. It's such an odd term to use. So meaning it doesn't have a stopping point. So imagine your hair just grew and grew and grew and didn't really have a determined point where it stops growing. Those are the indeterminate tomatoes, the vining ones versus determinant usually form a small shrub or bush and mm-hmm. they mostly flower at the same time you know not the exact same time but you know within a span of a week or two and then fruit ripens about the same time within a span of a week or two so that way you get a good harvest all at once and you can use it for canning Mm -hmm. and preserving or if you had some big feast planned (laughs) you could time the tomato ripening for that so those are usually your plum tomatoes you'll you'll hear for the determinate ones and I think a lot of the miniature plants must be determinate varieties. Yes, most of them. Most of them are definitely. There are a few indeterminate, and I cannot think of varieties off the top of my head. But 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 you can still, you know, like if you want your growing to be in a small space, but you can go vertical, then you can grow those indeterminate or vining vining type plants. Like in square foot gardening, we we take off the sucker growth and we keep everything to, to the one main stem and we just wrap them around a spiral or something. And yeah, it works pretty, works pretty well. Hmm. So a little bit more work on the pruning though. So you have to keep Mm -hmm. it in check, maybe tie it up a lot more and keep snipping off all those laterals. Absolutely. And you can keep it when you do that, you can keep it to one square foot. Hmm. Yeah, I have seen those long spiral poles sold at garden centers, and I always wondered what those were for. So that would make sense that it's for the square foot gardening. They they are just absolutely wonderful. And I actually was introduced to those spirals when I was living in Germany. I could see a whole series of spirals, but you have to keep your garden really neat and pruned to keep it back like that. But, you know, I tend to let my tomatoes get a little rangy. Yeah, matter of preference. Yep and how much space you want to allocate for all those correct and going back to the bush to uh, bush varieties mm-hmm. there is actually a really great cucumber that's called bush slicer and that's a nice eating cucumber not necessarily i mean it can be pickled but it's it's a good fresh salad cucumber and i found that one to be pretty prolific again that's uh it's going to go bush out a little bit but a lot smaller than a full-sized cucumber plant would bush out Mm -hmm. yeah because those cucumber vines and same thing with the melon and pumpkin and squash vines they can take over the world if you let them (laughs) they sure can do you do any pruning of those type of vining plants do to keep those in check you actually can. My suggestion is for people to go to YouTube and type in the search um, how to prune blank, whether it be pumpkins or squash or cucumbers or whatever, and then they can find a video that'll tell them exactly how to do that because I never remember the rules for that. Yeah, they can be complicated and you don't want to injure the pumpkin vine or melon vine so much that it stops producing because sometimes if you slit it in the wrong place, you know, you're cutting off a whole section there, but hopefully it'll be able to recover too. So talking again about the bush versus vining plants. So we have those in the tomatoes that we talked about and in peas and beans and I'm trying to think of other crops that might have the cucumber, you have a bush one versus a vining, and there's not too many others that I can think of that do that. Peppers are mainly bush. You don't see, you don't grow peppers on vining plants. 
Correct. And there again, check the size of the mature plant. And some of the seed companies don't put that information on it. So you're just going to have to to Google how big does a Ostia zucchini plant get or something, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Or walk around if you have a community garden near you or a demonstration garden, that's a great place to check out some new edibles and look at the actual size it grows to because it can surprise you. And you're right, they don't talk about it in the seed pack usually. They'll talk about the size of the eventual fruit and the maturity, mm-hmm. how long it takes to ripen from seed to the vegetable, but they won't talk really about this is going to be six foot by six foot in your garden. Correct. I think one of the tricks I was thinking of to to save space, if you have a little bit of a vining plant and you talked about going vertical up a spiral pole, is also to create a mound. So like a kind of volcano that it can kind of drape over. Are there other similar techniques in square foot gardening? Uh, Not... Anything that can be grown vertically, like a a ladder support, it looks like an A-frame and, you know, it goes through the, um, not spoke, the steps of a ladder Mm -hmm. up one side and down the other. We could use bamboo poles, like I'll take and I'll take four bamboo poles and put one in each corner of my square foot gardening square. I will lash them at the top and they're probably four to six feet, depending on what I'm growing. And I will put two pea or bean plants kind of diagonally in each corner. So that'd be a total of eight growing up that teepee. And that does bring up maximizing space, like the three sisters, where you're layering different plants too. So you could do several types of of beans on one pole. You don't necessarily have to do just four plants or eight plants of the same type bean if you're really limited on space, but you want beans that would mature at a different time. You could probably do two or three on the same trellis and just be very vigilant about when you are harvesting them. And I think that would be particularly good for dried beans because then you can make yourself a, you know, like a multi bean soup. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could just leave them on there and then just pull the whole thing down and and pick off all those dried beans. Right. And I actually don't, um, when you're working with beans, just snip them at the bottom. Don't, you know, don't pull the roots and everything out because that way you're going to leave a nice little nitrogen boost for the next uh, generation of plants that go in that square. Mm -hmm. And easier for you, too. You don't have the backbreaking work of pulling up all those those roots that might go a little farther than you think. Sometimes I'll pull out an okra plant and, you know, the root will be 10 feet away. (laughs) And I'm also pulling it out from some tomatoes and cucumbers and other places. It's always amazing how some of those roots will spread in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I there is one uh, article that I absolutely love, and it's from Balcony Garden Web dot com and it's 28 dwarf vegetables to grow now my mind was kind of blown because there are dwarf varieties of cauliflower artichokes avocado Mm. patty pan squash bok choy and on and on and i thought that was uh kind of fascinating yeah i think those are becoming more and more popular especially that mini cauliflower heads and mini broccoli sometimes they'll call it heading broccoli or it'll have a different name to it than getting that full head because for us in the mid-atlantic when we have a a hot summer and two weeks of fall right and then winter (laughs) so you don't get those brassicas developing to that big full head size a lot of the time so getting some of those miniature ones or small heading ones that are just, you know, meant to be for our d'oeuvres, but not your main course. Those are actually better varieties for us for, for both of our cool shoulder seasons, the, the fall and the spring. Yes. And I, I pretty much have, you know, forgone the heading broccoli in favor of sprouting broccoli. It's just my husband and I, so I don't need a lot of broccoli in a salad or something like that. And the leaves are edible. The stalks, you can chop them up and put them in soups. So use the whole plant. Yeah. And I was going to say that I love those little sprout broccoli just in a stir fry or mm-hmm. something like that. They're so, and they're already 
cut to size. Like, you know, you don't have to break apart the big head. You already got it right there in front of you. And a lot of them are cut and come again. So you mm -hmm. get several flushes of, of broccoli. Yeah, and if we have a really mild winter, knock on wood, <laughs> and you throw a cover cloth over them for a little bit more of insulation to get them to winter over, I've gotten them to come back in the spring and get even more cutting out of them. Yeah, and really quickly, and the the benefit of that, anything that you can sort of over over winter something you know not it's not going to grow or it's going to go grow slow so slowly you're not going to recognize that it's growing but then in the spring it'll a lot of times it'll pick back up and have a really quick flush and then what i love is these things go to flower and it's an early source for the bees and letting it go to flower and then to seed and collecting the seed so then you get that that bonus crop out of it too. Amen. <laughs> I just thought of another name for what we're talking about, Kim. Baby. We haven't said baby vegetables. So, you know, when you go to a Chinese restaurant, you have those little baby corns. And then I just love baby carrots and baby mm -hmm. lettuces because, and then sometimes they'll be called micro mix or they'll have different names for them, but they're very gourmet and expensive these tiny but they're supposed to be more full of nutrients packed in when they're at that little micro stage and baby bok choy is the cutest thing you have ever seen the <laughs> little teeny tiny bok choys uh then you know like if you are you know, trying to maximize your space, there's nothing wrong with growing that gourmet size, you know, put in a lettuce mix or a spring mix and then cut them, cut and come again. A lot of them are also cut and come again. So you can get several crops out of them. And same thing with your radishes and some of your root vegetables, you can eat them when they're at that tiny, tiny stage and just basically seedlings, they're, they're packed full of nutrients and they're really highly flavored, especially those tiny radish seedlings. You're always surprised how much flavor and even broccoli seedlings, if you try those as microgreens, you can just snip those off when you're thinning them right? Your thinnings. Yes, Don't yes. leave your thinnings just laying on the ground of your garden or in your containers. Eat yeah. those thinnings because they're really packed with flavor. And outer leaves. We, we tend to throw away the outer leaves. Outer leaves of cabbage, the big, huge, humongous, honking leaves, you know, pull those off, um, you know, cut, or cut them off, not pull them off, cut them off. And the, the innards will still continue to grow. And you know, they make great um, stuffed cabbages, cabbage rolls, things like that. Yeah, I've heard people call those the guard leaves mm -hmm. around it and that, you know, they usually get a little damaged, a little bit beaten up by the weather and insects and things. And I will see people pull those off just because they don't like the look of them, not because they don't think they're edible or not, just because they want a, a pretty garden. Yeah, and that's that's good. That's, you know, more power to them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's true. There's a lot of leaves that we could be eating that we don't, like carrot tops, for example. Yes. Yeah, those are great. Dehydrated, dehydrate them, stir fry them, throw them in soups. They provide a great deal of uh, flavor to, to soups and stews. What about making plants miniature or dwarf by bonsai techniques. So I was thinking in particular, there might be some things in your book for indoor edibles that might be retained that way versus they were meant to be small plants. Yeah. So I actually uh, went to Washington, D.C., and I took a, a bon chi class instead of bonsai. Bon chi is more the edibles, and you and that is training a pepper plant, a fig tree. They have a small, oh gosh, the, gosh, what is that? The thing with the little pomegranates. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things that you can grow on a bonchi plant in a very, very tiny space. That is a brilliant idea, Kathy. Yeah, I was just thinking about figs, too, when you mentioned that in a bonchi, that there are 
some new dwarf fig plants on the market. Um, so look nominal. out for those. Yep. Fig nominal is coming out of Peachtree farm um, in Pennsylvania and Southern living has little miss figgy, not little miss piggy, little miss figgy. And I've been trialing that one just to make sure it is winter hardy for our area. So I have a, a little miss figgy in a pot by my water garden. I've only got a couple fruits on it. But um, I'm hearing that Phenomenal has many more fruits. Well, you were with me, you know, in Philadelphia recently, mm -hmm. and Lloyd Traven actually had the Phenomenal with a bunch of figs on it right by the front uh, front entrance. Yeah, and I would say the size of the pot he had it in, I'm going to guess 24 inches in diameter. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. So it's not a tiny fig, but it is a you know, nice size plant for a patio or balcony or rooftop garden uh, to have figs right at hand there. So, and if you're talking about, you know, small space, I can't remember which company has it, but they have columnar apples mm -hmm. and they are six feet tall, but they're only two feet wide. And I have had, you know, eh, fair success with them. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I lost it because of, um, because I was away and it was too hot so that was kind of my fault, but I know yeah. there were enough, I know there were enough apples on it to attract a groundhog. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Stark brothers, but some yes. other apple catalogs might have that too, but they do breed them and have them on a uh, grafted stock. Mm -hmm. So you can have these columnar ones or you can have them espalier against a wall. So you can be pinning them. And I always call those like the frankenfruit trees, the little dwarf fruit trees that have yeah. one arm is a plum. One arm is a peach. One arm is an apple. And you're like, how is this happening on this one grafted plant? But that's your definite, example of trying to grow several different fruits in on the smallest space possible. Absolutely. Some of them are also called fruit salad plant. <laughs> yeah, I like that fruit salad. Although to me, fruit salad implies pineapple somewhere in there, and I'm not seeing yeah. any pineapple grafting going on for that. When we're talking about fruit trees, I was thinking about some of the little citrus that people yes. usually grow ornamentally. And for us here in the Mid-Atlantic, you know, we have our hardy Ponsiris, the the one with the big thorns on it. And that's not any citrus you really want to eat. Because <laughs> no. it's very bitter and sour one. It would take a lot of processing to eat that hardy, hardy orange that's native to our area. And that's the only citrus we really have. But you can have as an indoor plant, if you have really good amount of sunshine or a greenhouse, how much do you think it needs, Kim? Uh, <laughs> it depends. It really depends. Inside my book, I do have, and I can't even think of, think of what it is right now. I wrote it too long ago, but I do have kind of size range of, of what a plant would need indoors. Some of them, they're called dwarf or minis, and they're six feet tall or mm -hmm. eight feet tall or 10 feet tall. But yes, it is a dwarf because a normal tree would be maybe 30 feet tall. So it's, it's all relative, but I know some of them can be planted in like a two to three foot diameter pot, depending mm -hmm. on what it is. And you can check out fast growing trees, plural, fastgrowingtrees.com. And I love having citrus plants indoors just because the flower scent is incredible. Even if you get no real fruit off of them, it's just wonderful to have that in the wintertime. Absolutely. I can't, I could not agree with you more. What is, what is better than that beautiful lemon scent? Mm -hmm. Even the leaves, the leaves you mm -hmm. can, you can use the leaves for different things, teas and such and, and culinary uses for them mm -hmm. lay them on top of lay them on top of your chicken and it bring imparts just a little delicate lemon flavor mm. yeah same with lime as well yep. those lime leaves are really nice and i do recall seeing a friend's greenhouse and they had a miniature orange plant little small tree but it had one full-size orange hanging <laughs> and it was like almost like the charlie brown christmas tree because it is a full-size orange and those get pretty heavy but it was putting all of its effort and energy into that right and i haven't grown any but i know there are cold hardy 
small avocado trees, and I'm I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, I would be curious to hear if if any listener has gotten that to grow in the Mid Atlantic, if that's been successful for them. Mm, that would be great to know. Mm-hmm. So wrapping up some of our small vegetable or edibles, did we miss any of that favorites that are on your list? I'm thinking about some of the little baby greens, maybe. Baby greens are wonderful. Again, you can broadcast them, uh, a mix of them, make your own spring mix and serve them as baby greens. So it's, it's larger than a microgreen, but smaller than the full adult plant. And they are just delightful. You know, treat yourself. A, a handful of seed is, you know, a dollar maybe if you're really broadcasting thickly. And what does spring mix cost in the grocery store? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least three to five dollars a bag mm-hmm. for sure. And those are cut and come again, like you were saying before. So you get maybe three harvests at least out of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So the those miniature tomato plants that I was talking about that you could buy at the grocery store and have on your windowsill that I was sent to trial were from Pan American Seed. And there's one called Micro Tom Tomato. They have yeah. some peppers in the series. And those are meant to buy them green in the grocery store. Like the fruits are green at that point and then ripen them on your windowsill and then discard the plant afterwards. So they're totally meant to be a disposable, like annual plant just to have. And they're they're selling them under the name Kitchen Minis Collection. So you can look out for those. And that's basically just to have a fresh, really fresh garden, fresh tomato on your windowsill. And just to have the experience of growing it, I think. The same you know thought behind those pots of basil that you can buy at the grocery store as well. That's fascinating. I think it also gives people a nice experience, especially if you don't have outdoor growing space and, you know, the two hardest things, peppers and tomatoes to grow without full outdoor space. They're giving you a pretty much guaranteed success with these little micro kitchen minis. And another thing to think about is there are hydroponic, indoor hydroponic system, the real small ones like Aero Garden and Click and Grow, things like that, that are just there. They have the little, like the coffee pods and you plug it, you know, it's a plug and play type hydroponic Mm -hmm. system. And they're usually very tiny plants and they're fantastic. Yeah, they would have to be to be in those little pods. Yep. Any others that we missed off of your favorites list? Whew. No, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to, uh, like I said, I, I have never grown the small cauliflower, but once um, I was preparing for this, this broadcast, I just like, oh, cauliflower, that's, that's in, that's interesting. And a small cauliflower, again, is the perfect size for two people, which is what my house, household is. Mm-hmm. Or single households. I think what's fun about this topic is just coming from the Montgomery County Fair and there's competitions for largest tomato and biggest zucchini that there should be competitions for tiniest, I think. The, the tiniest little tomato you could grow, the tiniest little zucchini. Here, here. I agree with that. I mean, that's what we're going to more, more and more is the, is the small size because it's, it scales well with, with your house, especially indoors. And yeah, that, that would be a great idea. I think that would encourage more growing. The miniature vegetable festival. (laughs) We could call it something like that. So how can our listeners follow up with you, Kim and say the name of your book again so they could purchase that as well. Okay. So the book is How to Garden Indoors and Grow Your Own Food Year Round. And my website is SFG, like square foot gardening, SFG, the number four and the letter U.com. And I have a variety of online classes, on demand video classes. And anytime you want to look me up, do the ampersand. So at square foot gardening, the number four, the letter U, or at your indoor food garden. And they can find you on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, uh, TikTok as well these days. Yep. So Kim is very 
popular TikTok channel and demonstrating some great vegetable growing and other things on there. Any final thoughts on growing small vegetables or just gardening in general, Kim? Well, just I would love to encourage anybody grow anything anywhere using any method that you can. Really the the thing that we all want you to do is learn how to grow some of your own food especially. Don't don't worry, don't try to get fancy, don't make it expensive. Just do your best and if you're a beginning gardener, I got to tell you you're not an expert gardener until you've killed hundreds of plants. Mhm. Is definitely a trial and error type of hobby. So you're going to, you know, grow some, you're going to lose some and you're going to have some good successes too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Kim, for sharing about miniature edibles with us today. You are very welcome, and thank you for having me. Little Blue Stem, Plant Profile Little Blue Stem, Schizocarium scoparium, is a perennial grass that is native to eastern North America. It is hardy to USDA zones three through nine. This clump forming grass makes a mound a few feet wide and grows to about three feet high. The spring and summer foliage is a silvery blue with hints of pink and purple. In the fall, it turns various shades of burgundy, rust, and pink. It is the larval host for a number of skipper butterflies and has attractive seed heads that are fuzzy white and are eaten by small birds in winter. It is deer resistant and drought tolerant. Little blue stem grows in full to part sun. It tolerates a variety of soil conditions, but does not like a constantly wet root zone. The only maintenance is to cut it back in late winter or early spring before the new growth emerges. It can be propagated by seed or root division. This ornamental grass was designated as Perennial Plant of the Year for 2022 by the Perennial Plant Association. It pairs well with coneflowers and tall sedums. There are several cultivars that are widely available. They include the Blues, Standing Ovation, Jazz, and Blue Heaven. Little Blue Stem, you can grow that. What's new in the garden this week? Well, we visited the Montgomery County Fair to check on if we won any ribbons from our entries last weekend. And we did. We won second place for our Bikino peppers and a third and fourth ribbon for our sun gold tomatoes, as well as a third for our little carrots and a few ribbons also for our zinnias and other flowers. So it was a good year. And if you have a local fair near you, I encourage you to enter your vegetables and flowers. It's always fun. At the community garden plot, we are harvesting our okra finally. And in my home garden in bloom now is the Allium Millennium and the Plantain Lily Hosta Plantagiana. It's late blooming and highly scented and one of the highlights of late summer for me. In the local gardening world, I want to congratulate Dr. Susan Pell, who was just named officially Executive Director of the United States Botanic Garden. We had Dr. Pell on the podcast in October 2020 discussing the U.S. Botanic Garden's 200th anniversary, and that's episode 33 if you want to check that out. In the local gardening events world, at the U.S. National Arboretum, they are having their benefit dinner, Dinner Under the Stars, on September 20th. And you can find out details about that at fona.org, as well as their fall festival and bulb sale that's taking place on October 1st. Save that date. More details are coming. And a garlic planting party at the Youth Garden on October 29th. So check all those out at fona.org. 
in Virginia at Green Spring Gardens. They are having their begonia show this weekend. And on Saturday, September 17th is the Family Fall Festival and Plant Sale that is free and open to anyone to attend. I will be a vendor there with Washington Gardener Magazine and signing and selling our book, The Urban Garden. So be sure to stop by our table and say hi. And another event that we are doing with Green Springs is on Saturday, October 29th, the Garden Symposium Urban Gardening and Design 101 from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. Terry Spate and I will be speaking about topics that are in our book, The Urban Garden, and you can sign up for that at fairfaxcounty.gov slash parks slash park takes. Happy gardening! In the new book, The Urban Garden by Kathy Jensen Terry Spade, you'll find dozens of inspiring and creative ways to grow flowers, shrubs, vegetables, herbs, and other plants in small spaces and with a limited budget. Whether you want to grow on a balcony, rooftop, front stoop, or a tiny urban patio, turn your growing dreams into reality and build a gorgeous and unique garden that showcases your personal style while still being functional and productive. With the ingenious ideas and resourceful tactics found here, you'll be maximizing yields and beauty from every square inch of your space while also making a lush outdoor living area you'll crave spending time in. Whether you're growing edible plants or beautiful flowers, the 101 amazing growing ideas found in the urban garden will turn your tiny urban yard into a treasure trove of green you'll be proud to share with family and friends. Buy your copy today at your local retail bookseller or order it online now at amazon.com or bookshop.org. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Garden DC. You can become a listener supporter for as little as 99 cents a month by going to anchor.fm slash garden DC slash support. Another way to support this podcast is to subscribe to our monthly digital publication, Washington Gardener Magazine. To do so, go to washingtongardener.com. Thank you. You can find Washington Gardener online at WashingtonGardener.com, on Twitter at WDC Gardener, on Instagram at WDC Gardener, and on Facebook.com at Washington Gardener Magazine.